I'm 63 years old. I can leave today, but I'm fighting for my co my coworkers. I'm fighting for my colleagues. You know, I hear them struggle. Coming up on Carolina Connection, UNC housekeepers rally for higher wages. Good morning, I'm Sophie Mallinson. And I'm Lorelai Sykes. Also this morning, UNC researchers are learning more about traumatic lung injuries associated with vaping. Bus driver shortages leave elementary through high school students without a reliable way to get to school. And UNC grads go back to high school to help underrepresented students on their paths to college. Even if my little office can be a safe space for them for 10 minutes, that does make an impact. From the UNC Hussman School of Journalism and Media, this is Carolina Connection. Thanks for joining us. UNC housekeepers are demanding better pay after they received a raise last year that they're calling disrespectful. On Wednesday, UNC employees and students rallied outside South Building and then outside the Board of Governors meeting in Raleigh. These most recent demonstrations are part of a months-long push for better wages, free employee parking, and an end to laws banning collective bargaining by unions. Savannah Gunter talked with some of them. Come and walk in my shoes for one day. Put your tennis shoes on, take your suit and tie off, throw your t-shirt on, pair of jeans. Come and work with me for one day. See how many breaks you'll take. That was Robin Lee, a Keenan Residence Hall housekeeper and key member of UNC's chapter of UE150, North Carolina's Public Service Workers Union. She says they spent months advocating for a raise and feeling overworked due to staff shortages. So the 90 cent wage increase housekeepers received in December felt disrespectful. Oh God, I feel like a nobody. I felt like I was small as an ant. You know, I feel like what's the whole purpose of coming to work if you think I'm worth 90 cent? Lee and dozens of other housekeepers, students, and union members rallied on the steps of the South Building Wednesday. They were joined by representatives from the Campus Y, Latinx nonprofit group Siembra, and the Black Student Movement. The rally aimed to garner housekeepers a raise from around $16.91 to $20 an hour and free parking. UNC student Gabriel Morrison says this was something he wouldn't miss. Um, I'm here to support the UNC housekeepers. You know, we all benefit from the work they do, and when I found out how little they were making, um, I just, I honestly couldn't believe it at first. I really think the university is taking advantage of them, and they deserve a lot more compensation. While UNC Chapel Hill gives housekeepers their paychecks, their salary ranges are dictated by the North Carolina Office of State Human Resources. According to University Media Relations, the 90-cent raise in December resulted from collaboration with the UNC system office. In a statement, they said they continue to work with the system to address these issues. I just want to make our voice heard, and I just want to make our situation known that... Housekeepers and union members say UNC's 90-cent raise and a recent annual bonus offer are not enough to change housekeepers' financial situations especially due to inflation. Lee, who works two jobs right now, says part of the problem is the division of the wage increase among housekeepers and their supervisors. The housekeepers is the one do the work. The housekeeper is the one 
that runs this university. We are fighting for more money. Why should the ADs and supervisors and the rest of them get raises? Lee has worked as a UNC housekeeper for four years, but she says neither seniority or work ethic matter when it comes to payday, just legislation. I have a co-worker that's been here almost 25 years. Don't you know she's making $16.91? When I boarded up in the meeting, human resource said, it don't make no difference how many years you've been here. While she says she feels underappreciated by her wages, Lee says the students she interacts with daily are the best part of the job. You know, when they walk up and say they appreciate, you know, well, how you doing today, Miss Robin? You know, you have a wonderful day. That means a whole lot to me. Housekeepers are crucial in keeping campus clean, and union workers say a big part of UE150 is protecting them. Fourth-year doctoral grad student Nikhil Kathagal is an active union member who helped organize Wednesday's rallies. He says uniting with campus employees may be the key to real change. As a grad student, I want to fight um, for myself and for other grad workers in solidarity. But also, I recognize this is a larger struggle, and I want to support housekeepers, librarians, all other staff on campus because I believe that together and organized, we can make improvements um, for workers here and around the world. Banding together for change is one main objective of UE150, and Lee says it's one of her values too. I'm 63 years old. I can leave today, but I'm fighting for my, co my co-workers. I'm fighting for my colleagues. You know, I hear them struggle. I see the tears in their eyes. The UNC System Board of Governors meetings relocated from Chapel Hill to Raleigh this January. In response, UE150 held a second rally Wednesday evening outside their session. Union members say it is unclear whether these rallies will result in further change, but they say change is necessary. In Chapel Hill, I'm Savannah Gunter. The UNC Board of Governors voted Thursday to keep tuition for in-state undergraduate students the same, a move that Chair Randall Ramsey says is significant. We need to highlight that is seven years with no increase in tuition, which is really remarkable. Inflation is putting pressure on the board to make many budget adjustments, but in-state student tuition will remain steady. However, out-of-state students and professional schools will see an increase in tuition starting in the fall. There are many things students consider when choosing a roommate, like how messy they are, if they're a morning or night person, or what temperature they like to keep the dorm at. A recent NBC News survey shows that students are now factoring in politics. Hannah Noel explores if this trend extends to UNC students. Almost half of the students polled in a recent survey by NBC News and Generation Lab said they would not choose to room with someone who voted for a different presidential candidate in 2020. Mark Hetherington is a UNC political science professor. He is also the co-author of Prius or Pickup, a book that frames political polarization through a psychological lens. Polarization is the big national issue, and you certainly see indications of it you know, here among students as well. But he says it's not all negative. There are also some upsides about polarization, and that's probably the part that I actually see among the students, just how much they want to participate in politics. Hetherington says increasing political involvement and social activism among students have filled more seats in political science classrooms. He's also found that high levels of passion can keep people from having conversations with those across the political aisle. He says that's mirrored on UNC's campus. But students are in one of the best positions to have those discussions. One great thing about college 
is it gives you the opportunity to come in contact with people who disagree with you. While UNC has its divided students, Hetherington points out that there are many who fall closer to the center of the political spectrum. One such student is Albert DeMarco, a senior who is disappointed in the growing divide. I personally think that the schism between the parties and political thought in America has become horrific. DeMarco says he does not let his political opinions determine who he's friends with, rooms with, or dates. I consider myself a Democrat, but I date a Republican, and I, I think that's okay. I think you can agree to disagree on some things. But what are students not willing to agree to disagree on? Student Wes Hall says, I think it's more a matter of like human rights than political views. So as long as you can be respectful of human rights, I can probably get along with you. Hall says she could be friends with people that have opposing political views, but rooming with someone presents a different challenge. Living with someone, it would depend on the level of respect we had between one another. Another student that shares these roommate concerns is Kate Mearden. She took this factor into consideration when looking for someone to live with this semester. Is it someone who I would feel not unsafe, but a little bit uncomfortable with the way that they think about certain topics? Mearden has friends that lean differently than she does politically, but she sees it as an opportunity for education. If we do talk about politics, we tend to try to have an open mind. And I can talk with people because I try to have an open mind and educate myself on things that I might not understand. Education by means of meaningful discussion is exactly where Hetherington places the solution as well. The only way that we can overcome our differences is by talking to each other. Otherwise, we just become caricatures of you know, the worst case of what the other side might be. Hetherington is working to ensure a classroom environment that fosters these kinds of discussions, promoting growth and respect on both sides of the aisle. In Chapel Hill, I'm Hannah Noel. UNC researchers are studying a new traumatic lung injury associated with e-cigarettes and vaping products. These products have become more popular since 2015, with the flavored varieties primarily attracting high school and college students. Annie LeBaron has more. UNC student A.J. Pinto opens a small container full of synthetic nicotine patches. During the COVID-19 pandemic, Pinto started vaping nicotine for the first time. I got sick this December, and um, one of my symptoms was just coughing up a whole bunch of mucus, but with that, I started coughing up a lot of blood. And so after seeing that, I didn't know, I didn't know if it was the vapes, but with all the stuff I'd seen online and read about, I didn't want to take the chance. This is all it is, little cloth packages with some synthetic nicotine in there and some artificial flavoring. You just put it in your upper lip and let it sit there. Pinto decided to quit. Ones. He now uses these patches to help him wean off nicotine. I've noticed just generally that my lung health is better. Um, I'm not as winded as quickly. Your lungs kind of, you can kind of notice them start cleaning themselves because you start building up mucus and clearing mucus a lot. According to UNC researcher Megan Rabuli, in 2019, over a thousand people were hospitalized nationwide due to a traumatic lung injury. The Center for Disease Control and Prevention officially calls it e-cigarette slash vaping product associated lung injury, or e-valley. Symptoms include cough, shortness of breath, and chest pain. It can be treated via inflammation-reducing medications and antibiotics. In response to this outbreak, Rabuli and her team of researchers began to study the components of vaping products. Most of our research when we look at flavorings are based on cells. So we take cells that are either developed as a cell line to be studied in a lab or 
um, we have volunteers come in and we um, sample them for cells and grow them and so we can look at individual differences and effects of these flavorings. According to Rabuli, the CDC and Food and Drug Administration found vitamin E acetate in these products. This additive dilutes the main ingredient in the vape so it can be easier to smoke. However, when inhaled, it damages the lungs. It is good in your skin and to eat for your body, but your lungs can't deal with it um, in the same way that your gut or your skin deals with this. According to the CDC, vitamin E acetate is most often found in THC-containing vape products rather than ones containing nicotine. Pinto considered E-Valley research when choosing which kind of vape products he wanted to use regularly. All of the findings they had on that were linked to THC carts, mm -hmm. which already in high school I had seen like some sketchy carts going around. Throughout like 2017 to 2019, um, just $20 carts, you could buy them with your friends, get pretty high, but no one knew what was in them. Pinto chose nicotine-based vapes for this reason. Since he quit, he has not experienced any E-Valley-like symptoms other than occasional coughing. In Chapel Hill, I'm Annie LeBaron. Many public school students are getting a late start to their school day. This school year, Chapel Hill Carborough City Schools have been dealing with a shortage of bus drivers, meaning late-arriving students are missing up to an hour of instruction time each day. Now, the district is making changes aimed at fixing the problem next year. Will Christensen has the story. Good afternoon, everyone. This is Andy Jenks from the CHCCS Central Office with a bus transportation alert. Most evenings, CHCCS parents get a phone call or an email from the district office with a recorded message that usually sounds similar to this one. Due to our ongoing driver shortage, four bus routes impacting 10 schools will not have a driver on Tuesday morning, November 22nd. Jenks, the chief communications officer for the district, said that the problem isn't exclusive to the Chapel Hill Carborough area. Well, I think our school district and a lot of school districts are experiencing the same thing, which is a nationwide shortage of bus drivers. It started during the pandemic and has been exacerbated since then, where school districts just can't hire enough buses to serve all of our routes and all of our students. Drivers are either, either finding other work that's enjoyable to them, they're driving for private companies, municipal transit authorities, or it could be anything else. Almost every day, several routes that were easily covered before the pandemic go without a bus driver, leaving students stranded and parents scrambling to find a way to get their child to school on time. Parents form carpool groups and kids who don't normally walk to school are forced to. And for those who have no other way, parents can call the district's transportation office to request that the buses come back around to pick them up. But the kids end up missing valuable class time in the process. Since the calendar has turned to 2023, uh, we have only been able to cover our buses on two days. That was Andre Stewart, the chief operations officer for the operations division of CHCCS, in a presentation he gave to the school board last Tuesday. Stewart is part of the Transportation Optimization Committee, a group formed back in November to tackle this problem. In total, the committee estimates that students have missed around 6,600 hours of instructional time collectively because of the driver shortage. If we are to convert hours into whole days. We would basically say that at the high school level, um, this would cause a student to miss two complete days of school. At the meeting, Stewart presented the committee's proposed solutions to the board, including increasing driver pay to $20 an hour, consolidating bus stops, and marketing dual positions, meaning people like janitors and office administrators would work as bus drivers as well. Janai Rogers, one of the district's drivers, stuck around throughout the pandemic. Actually, I haven't left. Oh. <laughs> I've, I, went, I went from driving students, and they said, hey, we have 
We're going to shut down for three weeks, but we have work for three weeks. If you'd like to work or if you want to use your annual leave time, you can do that. So I went from driving children to then driving the lunches. I don't know if you knew that, Mm -hmm. that we would take lunches to the students and anybody who needed food at the time. Rogers said that along with the proposals for the next school year, it would be helpful if the district communicated better with the drivers and considered their input more often. A lot of us sometimes feel like we're the last thought of the district when it comes to helping and communicating with us. Um, Even if it's monthly that we have communication with someone from the district and we sit down and, and be able to voice our opinions with them. Back at the school board meeting, Stewart's recommendations are put up for a vote. All in favor, please say aye. 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 Any opposed? Okay, there's a unanimous approval to move forward with recommendation one. The Transportation Optimization Committee's first recommendation for increasing driver pay, consolidating bus stops, and marketing those dual positions passed. The board also resolved to consider more solutions depending on how successful these changes are. In Chapel Hill, I'm Will Christensen. You're listening to Carolina Connection, UNC's student-produced newscast. I'm Sophie Mallinson. And I'm Lorelai Sykes. When thinking about taking a gap year after college, a couple things might come to mind. You can get adventurous and take a backpacking trip around the world, or maybe just take some time to focus on mental well-being. But for some recent graduates at UNC, a gap year means returning to school, just not the type of school one might expect. Brianna Atkinson has the story. Michaela, thank you for being my college advisor and one of my besties. Thanks for dealing with my craziness. Michaela Campbell is reading thank you notes from the bulletin board in her office. Among the notes is an array of cards, drawings, and pictures. I put those up there just as like a reminder to myself that this is important work and like I do have an impact. Campbell is an advisor for Hugh M. Cummings High School in Burlington. Before that, she was a student at UNC studying English and African American Studies. When Campbell graduated in 2021, she joined the Carolina College Advising Course. In the program, recent UNC graduates are sent to schools that have a large population of low-income, first-generation, and underrepresented high school students. Director Nierick Perkins says the goal is to increase those students' representation at colleges like UNC. These are rural counties, these are urban counties, these are small towns and cities where there's an opportunity for us to really motivate and inspire young people who never thought they had the opportunity or or never dreamed of the opportunity to to be able to enroll in a college or university. We've got, I applied to for Scythe Tech, I applied to WSSU, I applied to UNC Chapel Hill, I applied to JCSU. Outside of Campbell's office and in front of the media center are a row of flags. Each has a student's name and a college they applied to. One of the flags belongs to senior Alejandra Castro, applying to UNC Chapel Hill. She says Campbell helped her realize what options were available to her. I was very confused on how to apply to colleges. Like, I didn't know, like, where to start. I kept doubting myself to, like, know, like, oh, what universities would be good for me. Castro says that people around her also doubted that she could be the one to make it, even though she has good grades and is enrolled in challenging courses. 
a lot of people doubted me before, like going to like harder schools, saying I'm not very smart enough and all that. So just like going to her, like she just kept pushing me to like, you know, do it. It's not like, it's worth the shot just to like, you know, try it out. Part of what fuels Campbell's passion for her students is knowing what it's like to be in their shoes. A lot of my life looks like my students' lives right now. So I worked multiple jobs when I was in high school. I didn't really have anyone to help me through the process of applying to college. Her favorite part of the job is being able to be that person, someone who can help students whose parents haven't been to college before, someone who can encourage students who don't believe college is attainable, and just as someone to lean on and hang out with. We talk about life, talk about Netflix, we talk about some of the more heavier things that they might have been through that they haven't talked to someone about before. So I think just being that person that I didn't have is my favorite part. Castro says being able to go to Campbell about her everyday stressors has helped her mental health. I usually go to Miss Campbell just to have someone to talk to because like I do have extremely bad trust issues on other people. So going to Miss Campbell, it makes me feel really really comfortable. Campbell says this is another important piece of the program. It isn't just a pipeline to send students to UNC or other schools in the North Carolina system. It's about doing what's in their best interest. It's about getting them somewhere that they're going to be comfortable after high school. So working with our career development coordinator to work on job shadowing, working with the recruiters, the military recruiters, if that's their option. For Marilyn Ramirez, another senior at the high school, that path is community college. She says she eventually wants to become a nurse. I would be like one of the first generation to go to college in my family. So from the start, I really didn't know what to expect or what I had to do. But I would say that Ms. Campbell made the whole process very easy. Campbell says encouraging students like Castro and Ramirez is what makes the job meaningful to her. Even if my little office can be a safe space for them for 10 minutes, that does make an impact. So that's what keeps me going. That's what's inspired my career path. And I think overall, I think it's changed my life a little bit. Not only has Campbell made an impact on students through this program, but she's also learned something about herself. Work like this is her passion and something she plans to continue doing after she returns to college to get a master's in school counseling. In Burlington, I'm Brianna Atkinson. Two schools at UNC have joined together to hire their first director of DEI, or Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion. Anthony James is filling that role for the School of Education and the School of Information and Library Science. His hiring comes as DEI efforts have become more controversial in the UNC system. Denise Stroud reports. In his new office in the School of Education, Anthony James has the buoyant energy of someone excited to do big things. He leans in and smiles warmly as he explains his goals in this new role. What I want to do is I want to create a culture that's so strong that if you are not aligning with our purpose and our vision, you, you're going to stand out like a sore thumb. James holds a doctorate in education from the University of South Carolina. Before joining UNC, he was the director of minority education and outreach at the College of Charleston's School of Education. He explains he wants to help leaders across the campus incorporate the DEI ethos. Everything that they do, um, the people they hire, um, you know, the salaries they offer, um, the, the things they acknowledge, the things they recommend, 
you know, all these things have a very significant impact on the culture because they send very clear messages about who is valued and who is not. His sense of purpose for the work is clear. Students are the most important piece of this puzzle. We need to make sure we create a psychologically safe environment and they need to feel like they belong because without them, we don't have jobs. But campus DEI efforts are meeting opposition. The UNC System Board of Governors recently approved a policy to prevent the university from asking job applicants or prospective students to endorse statements of values. Law professor Eric Muller earlier referred to the proposal as a potential legal liability. This is a First Amendment lawsuit waiting to happen, and I think it would be very, very unwise for the university to bring that on itself. The policy was proposed after several UNC schools developed value statements concerning diversity. Jenna Robinson is president of the James G. Martin Center for Academic Renewal, a conservative think tank. I do think that that is a good step in order to make sure that no candidates for jobs or candidates for admission are asked to uh, present their political or ideological views and aren't going to be judged on those political and ideological views, yes. The Martin Center's website features an article that compares the spread of educational DEI efforts to an academic cancer. I think an academic cancer wouldn't be the, those would not be the words that I would use. Um, I would th say that they are you know, good intentions gone awry. She believes DEI efforts can threaten academic freedom. I think that there are problems when DEI efforts collide with academic freedom concerns. And so I'm concerned especially about schools that require uh, candidates for jobs or students on their applications to submit DEI statements, um, because I think that those have been used as kind of a political litmus test. James, however, is squarely focused on improving the student's experience. He places their sense of belonging at the center of his work. For me, belonging is the ultimate goal. Everyone needs to feel like they belong. So I think that's something that we can find common ground on. With his new position, James hopes to help both schools find the space and mutual understanding to forge a sense of belonging for all. In Chapel Hill, I'm Denise Stroud. Now, here's Carolina Connection's Christian Phillips with sports. This season, UNC men's basketball has been filled with some highs and lows. Recently, we lost to NC State last Sunday, and during the game, it looks like we ran out of steam in the second half. So, Christian, what happened there? Well, the game was tied at 60 with about six minutes remaining. Then the Wolfpack went on a 7-0 run to pull away. It's always tough to play an away game in a hostile environment such as Raleigh. Hostile in the sense that as a rivalry game, the crowd is going to be extremely loud, making for a solid home court advantage for NC State. In the second half of the game, especially near the end of a long season as this has been, it can be extremely difficult to recover once some baskets, especially those aforementioned three-point shots and calls, don't go your way. Okay, but Caleb Love said, I wouldn't even consider it's a rivalry. It's just another game. But it's starting to look like NC State might actually just be a rival after these past few weeks. Yeah, that has certainly been the case recently across multiple sports. Apart from basketball, the Wolfpack beat the UNC hockey team on Monday 7-3 in Carter-Finley Stadium. should be noted, though, that over 26,000 people attended the game, as the teams played on the same ice that was used days before for the stadium series between the Carolina Hurricanes and the Washington Capitals. Uh, State also beat the women's basketball team as well recently on February 16th 
in overtime, outscoring us 15-4 to in the extra period. Okay, so back to basketball. Do you think our men's team has a chance of going to the NCAA tournament this year? It's looking really difficult at this point, but by no means impossible. But we still have some big games left to play, such as number 6 Virginia tonight, and of course, Duke in one week. Also, going on a run in the ACC tournament can also bolster our chances. You can actually catch tonight's crucial game against UVA here on 97.9 The Hill. Tip-off is at 6 o'clock. Well, thanks so much for coming in, Christian. Thank you so much for having me. Finally today, as the weather warms, students are leaving their homes a little less bundled up, so it's easier to notice some tatted tar heels. Carolina Connections' Sofia Basuto asks students about their favorite tattoos and the meanings behind them. I'm Lily, I'm a sophomore, and my favorite tattoo is probably the first tattoo I ever got. My elementary school best friend named Kaya gave me a stick and poke tattoo of Bart Simpson, but literally it's the slayest thing I own on my entire body. I'm Nico and I'm a sophomore. I have a tattoo on my left leg of, um, it's an otter flying a kite. Elise Schechter and I'm a junior. So my favorite tattoo is this like artistic drawing of the sun and it has, it's very like one line and like abstract. My name is Scott Berry and I am a sophomore undergrad and my favorite tattoo is, it's the little cherry blossom branch just kind of like going across my thigh with a little fruit bat above and it's like my favorite plant and my favorite animal and I think that bats get like bad raps but they're like some bats are cute some bats are like adorable they're like flying puppy dogs and that's it for this edition of Carolina Connection a production of the UNC Hussman School of Journalism and Media. Our technical director is Charisma Daniel. I'm Lorelai Sykes. And I'm Sophie Mallinson. You can hear more of our stories at carolinaconnection.org or wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at UNC Connection and on Facebook at Carolina Connection. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.